we must realize that the Lord will provide. Can you say that with me? The Lord will provide. Very good. There's three things I want you to pick up from this uh, Genesis 22 passage. First of all, Jehovah Jireh will test you. The Arizona Diamondbacks had a former professional player named Brian Hommel. Uh, he served, has gone on to serve as chaplain for the Diamondbacks. He wrote a book entitled Dropping the Fig Leaves. In defining his struggle in his own life, he said, it is, a, it is human nature to want the greatest amount of happiness with the least amount of pain. Amen? When we try to know God as the provider, we get to be in trouble. Because we live in such a way as to be self-serving. And if God is going to be the provider, He's going to be the provider not only in the good times, but also in the bad times. And He will work it through us, and He will work in us, and He will provide for us. But when we try to know Him on a deeper level as the provider, through self-serving eyes, it gets to be difficult. Hummel went on to say, my life or my life attitude is the way I lived. But if we live that way, we inevitably reduce God to the one who exists to make us happy. Our self-serving, selfish attitude seeks to control God, to tame God to what we want and to our likes. We only want Him when we need Him. We don't necessarily want Him when we're having great things going on. I'm always intrigued by testimonies of what are you thankful for just ask that question what are you thankful for family usually jumps up friends yada 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 husbands wives but really the first thing that ought to roll off our tongue is i'm thankful for jesus christ who died on the cross to save me from my sins that's number one number two is this family that he's given me and we're going to see that in a real graphic way in our story today In Genesis 22.1, we find God, Elohim, testing Abraham. Do you know that God tests to reveal what we're made of? Some people struggle with that concept of God. He doesn't test us because He doesn't know us, for He knows us better than we know ourselves. He tests us in order to show us what we're made of. Parents. Test your children to see how resilient they are. To see if they will have the skills to work through the struggles. Don't bail them out. Don't give in. Don't give them everything. Now you husbands, you know what I'm talking about. You dads, you know what I'm talking about. But if you're married and you have children and your wife looks at you and says, do you have any money in your pocket? Give it to your youngest son who's already a full-time employee, has money in the bank. But she says, give him money because he's making a trip to Dallas and he'll need coffee. So I unload my pockets to give to our youngest son before he got in the car to drive to Dallas. And he looked at me and said, Dad, I can't take it. I said, look over there. And she's staring. I said, if I don't give you this money, I can't go back in the house. <laughs> God was testing me. <laughs> 
Oh, I could have looked at her and said, man, eh, baloney. No. No, it was important that he took my $12. Last $12 I had, but he took it and made it back to Dallas. Hallelujah. And probably spent my $12 before he spent his $12. Oh, well. That's a great thought, Helen. Maybe he did put it into offering today. Maybe he did. <laughs> but when God tests us, and he will, and he does, he's just trying to see how important he is. How important is God to you? Now, when we read this story in Genesis 22, sometimes we have a hard time with it. I know when I first read it, I thought, this is, this is not right. I began to look at my own life and think, could I take any of my three sons and just take them out to sacrifice them? Hmm. <laughs> now, there are moments. <laughs> I, I got you. There are moments. But when a push comes to shove, I'm not sure that I'm prepared. And yet... And yet, look what God told him in verse 2. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Whom you love. Wow. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains. Ouch. I, I, I can't process that one. I mean, Abraham had waited 25 years for Isaac. The previous chapter, there's this great joy seeing beginning in the fulfillment of God's promises because he said he's going to make Abraham a great nation, the father of many nations. When Isaac was old enough to wean, probably two or three. Things got ugly in Adam's household. Sarah saw Ishmael mocking and she would have none of it. She demanded of Abraham, get rid of that slave woman and her son for that slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance of my son Isaac. In chapter 21, verses 10 and 11, and 11 says, 21, 11 says that the matter distressed Abraham greatly because he, it concerned his son, but soon, soon he found that God was on Sarah's side. God said, came to Abraham, and God addressed first Abraham's distress, and he said, Do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. And he told him why he should listen to whatever Sarah told him. It was because it was through Isaac that his offspring would be reckoned. And God gave Abraham hope for his son Ishmael, for he had a plan for Ishmael to make him into a nation. Abraham breathed a little easier. But in chapter 21, verse 14, we see him sending away his firstborn son Ishmael and Hagar. And although in distress, Abraham submitted to God's will for Ishmael. And that battle right there is still going on today in the Middle East. The descendants of Ishmael live all around the nation of Israel. And all of them either want Israel destroyed or they want to possess Jerusalem. 
Isn't that interesting? All the way back in Genesis chapter 21 and 22, we see it happening. And it's against that backdrop that God tests Abraham in Genesis 22. He had been through a lot, but God wasn't done with Abraham. More testing would be required. God was going after Abraham's heart. You'll see. A commentator writes that God's command to Abraham in Hebrew was the sense of unusual gentleness. So the nuance in Hebrew would be something like, please take your son. God understood the difficulty of the test and he spoke to Abraham gently. You can demand and you can raise your voice or you can soften your voice and oftentimes be heard much louder. Genesis 22.1, sometime later God tested Abraham. That would answer and would be the answer to the doubt of the painter that I mentioned earlier. Later in Revelation, uh, a later revelation, God clearly forbade what was being asked of Abraham in Leviticus 18.21. The Israelites, God forbid them for, from sacrificing any of their children to, as an offering to Molech. For this would have profaned his name. He repeats that command in Deuteronomy 18, 10, and 12 when he says, Let no one be found among you who sacrifice his son or daughter in the fire. For anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. One thing that you can count on is that God is consistent. So we must understand that when Genesis 22 comes up and is said, it's interesting because he's the binding of Isaac as in God testing to reveal what was most important to Abraham as well as for his son Isaac, God's purpose of testing was to confirm what he knew of Abraham and he already knew of Isaac. You see, it's important, parents, that you have your children go through a series of tests before they leave your house and go to college because the temptations increase 12-fold. And if they don't have a foundation from which to hang on to, if they don't stay in church and stay connected to God other than in, with lip service only, then there's going to have a tendency to fall away from the Lord because the temptations are great. I've mentioned to you before that when Cindy and I first went to visit Corey at OSU, we understood that to be a godly place for children to go and attend and learn higher education. Very godly. Ungodly is my determination of it. But as we walked up to his apartment complex, I have never in my entire life and I had an older brother that drank like a fish. I have never in my whole life seen beer bottles stacked up that high that were empty. Not just in one location, but in multiple locations. So I asked my son, I said, wow, how, why so many beer bottles? You'll love his answer. He's quick on his feet. That's why he's in sales. He said, well, Dad, they must have had some kind of gathering here last night that I wasn't aware of. <laughs> Oh, sure, we believe. No problem. God tested later during the wilderness after three days in, in, from escaping Egypt when they arrived in the desert and they found only bitter water and couldn't drink. They began to grumble against God in Exodus 15, 25. It says there he tested them. So God testing us should not surprise anybody. 
He wants to find out what we're made of. He wants to find out where our heart is. Victor Hamilton says, with the Israelites, Will the Israelites take freedom with all the insecurities that freedom brings? Or will they take incarceration and the guarantee of regular meals? That's the test. Do you want to stand for God and reap the benefits? Or do you want to give in and be in prison to your desires and the lusts in your heart? Jehovah Jireh, our provider. Consider God's testing in Genesis 22.2. Again, take your, your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him. There's a burnt offering. This idea of burnt offering comes from the Hebrew. It's a word that's translated hola, holakatama, which we get our word holocaust. The burnt offerings of animals were to be completely burned except for the hide on the altar, according to Leviticus 1. And I remind you that Isaac was the very fulfillment of God's own promise to make Abraham into a great nation, to bestow him on him great blessing, to make his offspring numerous as stars. God was asking Abraham, Abraham, will you give up your son whom I gave you? Jehovah Jireh will test you. Secondly, I want you to see that we are to worship our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Look down at verse 5 of Genesis 22 to how God responded to his two servants. Will we worship and then we will worship and then we will come back to you. Notice if you would the words we. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham fully understood the demand that was God was placing upon him. Went straight to the matter of priority. Abraham was truly happy that God had promised and fulfilled that promise when he gave him his son Isaac. Was he happy because of the gift he possessed or was he happy because of the gift giver who gave that gift? Worship is a matter of priority. You can raise your hands and you can fall to your knees and you can lay prostrate straight on the, on the floor you can close your eyes. You can say amen. You can dance up and down. You can even run around the church. And if you don't do any of that, does that make you less spiritual? Or does it make you more spiritual that you do all of that? The essence of worship is what's happening between you and your God. Right where you are. And we need to allow God to move. In. We get so concerned about what brother or sister so-and-so is going to think if I do something that's a little unusual. Now, for some of you today, you instantly thought when I said take the bread and the cup and hold it, you're going, well, well, that's, out of, that's out of order. We, what, 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 what. You didn't say it. Oh, I saw it grinding up there. Because you weren't used to that. You were going to say, no, what am I going to do with my empty cup? I don't know. I don't have any place to put my empty cup. What am I going to do with my empty cup? See, we worry about the little things that don't matter, right? I've got to hold my hand. I've got to hold this in my hand. The bread's going to make my hand all greasy. Good night. And the cup's going to be in, my, in between my hands, so it's going to get warm. And now I'm going to have to drink warm grape juice.
what a meaningful time it was to watch you respond as we describe what these things meant. Because sometimes we do just kind of take them and we don't, we don't really stop and think about it. And remember, we carved it in the table up here. It costs a lot of money to buy this table. And somebody carved these letters in there, so they must mean something. Amen? Do this in remembrance of me. So these things mean something, right? Just like God wanted Abraham to understand what he was going through. And what does it mean to love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul? What does it mean to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God as our spiritual act of worship? Abraham understood that this that worship is a matter of priority. You will either worship or you won't, depending on your attitude. I can get in the car. I can turn KXOJ on. I can sing with the best of them. Or I can listen to talk radio and be depressed. I used to, that's all I listened to was talk radio. You know what? I turned off of it. I just listened to praise music. Because the world is going to end. Amen? I don't got to worry about that. It's going to happen. What I need to worry about is my depth of relationship with Almighty God. And I'd rather sing praises to Him than listen to Bill O'Reilly tell me how worthless everything's happening. All they're doing is fighting over the same stuff. All the time. All the time. Congress. <laughs> how about that name? Congress. What word comes to mind? Worthless for me. Corrupt. Ungodly. Selfish. Care about nobody but themselves. I don't care what letter you have after your name, they're all the same. Because once you get there, you realize that you are exempt from so much that you and I have to go through. That's why I love God, is because the ground at the foot of the cross is level. <laughs> you can't buy your way there, you can't good your way there, you can't hope your way there, you can't say, well, I was. He, he'll go, so? I still died for you. I still died for you. Abraham, without, without really understanding fully God's purpose, not, not understanding the sacrifice that God was truly calling on him, he understood that God was more important than his son, his only son, whom he loved. That's worship. To love the giver of gifts more than than the gifts he gives. The third thing I want you to see is that we need to trust our provider, Jehovah Jireh. Going back to his response in verse 5 to the servants, we will worship and then we will come back. Plural. Abraham said, Isaac and I are going to come back. We're going to go worship, but we're going to come back. Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 interprets that very clearly for us. And what must have been going through Abraham's mind, it says this, By faith Abraham, when, tested, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who received the promises was, without, was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, It is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. 
when God tested Abraham, when God confronted his heart and his mind and his allegiance and his love, his delight, his trust, he could only reconcile the fact that God was demanding back the gift of his son Isaac. God gave him to him only through his belief in God's power to raise the dead back in Genesis chapter 22. Already in Genesis, thousands of years before Jesus Christ, Abraham held on to the faith of being sure that what he hoped for and being certain of what he could not see, he trusted Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And that's exactly what he believed and how he answered his son Isaac. Look at verse 7. The fire and the wood are here. As Isaac asked about it. The fire and wood are here, but... Where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And he answered Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham trusted in Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. And then look back at Isaac, verse 22, 6. It says, Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. The image foreshadowing what was to take place on Golgotha in John nineteen seventeen, where Jesus carried the cross. Isaac was young, but strong enough to carry the wood for the burnt offering. In Genesis 22.9, we see that Abraham binding his son Isaac and laying him on the altar. And there, Abraham drew his knife to slay his son. What we don't see is Isaac trying to fight the rope and escape the certain death at the hands of his own father. But again, it wasn't because Isaac was weak and unable to fight off, but Father, like son, as Abraham trusted in Jehovah Jireh, Isaac too trusted in Abraham. And ultimately in Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And that's what we see here in this chapter and in this story. What's significant is that Isaac's obedience, his obedient silence, is captured in Isaiah 53 and verse 7. And it speaks of the serving servant, the suffering servant Jesus, when it says, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Isaiah fifty three ten says it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer, and though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering. In 1 Peter 1, 19 and 20, But with the precious blood of Jesus, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in, those la- in these last times for your sake. The deliverance is that Isaac was redeemed, was not killed, while the ram Jehovah Jireh provided was killed and offered as that burnt offering. And Abraham's determination to carry out sacrif- the sacrifice of his child, which was stopped by God, Jehovah Jireh, He was not willing to hold back his one and only son, and neither was Jehovah Jireh. In Romans 8, 31 and 32, If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Phyllis comes to the keyboard to help us with our invitation. Here's how it works. Jehovah Jireh wants to give himself his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to you and to me. And the only way to accept God's Son into our lives is through worship and trust. That verse that we read together earlier, 
But my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God is testing you to see if you love him more than all the gifts that he gives. God is testing you to see if you know him, Jehovah Jireh, the great provider who demands sacrifice of everything from you, your life, your possession, and all that you treasure. And in return, Jehovah Jireh sacrifices and gives you the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ. Father, I ask you this morning that as we come before your throne, that we will find you there. Father, we will come seeking. Father, we will ask in repentance for you to save us. God, if we've already been saved, we've spent some time away from you. What the locusts have eaten in the book of Joel, you can restore instantly. So God, if there's somebody, and I believe there's somebody in this room that needs to fall on their knees and call out to you, it may very well be right where they stand. But there's something special about people who are willing to reveal themselves and to say, I haven't made it yet. I need some prayer help from my brothers and sisters. Well, I encourage you to encourage them. There may be people here that would love for this to be their church family, their church home, and they could claim this church is their church. There's a lot of benefits by being a member of a church, but one is it sends a message to the community. And this is where you believe Jesus is, and this is where you want to make that known. And to use those time, talent, and treasures to help build your kingdom right here. And Father, there might be some who've never claimed you as their Savior, who've never made that profession of faith, who've never opened their heart to repentance, who are ready to do that, and then they'll follow that with baptism. That death, burial, and resurrection connection that baptism helps us do. That connection with Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. There may be somebody here like that, Father, and if they would just let us know so we could sit down and teach and show them in Scripture why that's important. I don't know what's on the need of every heart, but I do know that you want us to offer them an invitation. And so, God, we extend that invitation to anybody here who feels a need to respond to you today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our elders will be here at the front to receive any prayer needs you might have. Feel free to come and just go to your knees. They'll circle around you to pray. I don't know what decision you have, but make it today before you get out of here as we stand and sing together.